0: we are continuing the study of Jesus saying, I am the true vine, amen? In John's gospel, John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch of me that bear not fruit, he taketh away and every branch that bear fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the words which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now I want us to to focus on the branch cannot bear of itself. It has to abide in the vine. And the words Jesus said to them, no more can ye except you abide in me. Why did he say that? Well, I want us to look at this setting of scripture. If I look at it, if I understand this right, Jesus is saying this to his disciples at what we call the Last Supper. So he's speaking to them at the Last Supper, I believe. And he's telling them, I'm the true vine. And this statement he makes, you can't bear fruit unless you abide in the vine. He says, no more, verse 4, can you except you abide in me. Now I'm going to tell you what I believe that means. What I believe it means is Jesus is telling them, because you're an Israelite, you can't bear fruit. Because all those disciples sitting there with him were Israelites. The first Christians, the first believers were Jews. So Jesus is sitting with them, and he says, no more can you bear fruit except you abide in me. You being an Israelite according to the flesh won't get it done. Now I believe this is so important because Christians, many Christians try to preach some kind of special gospel to people of Hebrew descent or Israelites. And I don't believe there is one. I believe there's one gospel and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So whether I'm, a Jew, or a Gentile. My gospel is Christ Jesus the Lord. So it's not according to the flesh. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. And that's what we're going to get in here today. Now, I know a lot of people look at today or, or this set of times and they talk about Resurrection Sunday, or they call it Easter. Some people call it the Passover, but they look at this as a special time of the Lord raising from the dead. And he, in fact, did that. He raised from the dead. He was the Passover lamb fulfilling the Passover, and he was buried, and he come forth, I believe, and and there's going to be a study published on, our podcast and on YouTube, and I might even put them here on the feasts of the Lord that we've been doing in our Tuesday night Bible study. And I believe if you look real closely, inside a Passover, there's there's that three-day journey which speaks of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I believe it speaks of it right there at the door that the Israelites enter into in the first Passover because they have to put blood upon the door, signifying the death of the lamb. Hallelujah. So they enter into that door through the death of the lamb, and they go in that door, and they eat the lamb. And I believe that speaks right there. They go in there, in at, and they eat the lamb at night, and they can't come out to the new day. I believe that speaks of death, burial, and resurrection right there, In the midst of Egypt. When they come out. They don't come out the same. They're no longer in bondage. They're no longer under the rule of Pharaoh. They're no longer slaves. Now in their mind and heart. They may have still been in the same condition. And I think it's that way in a lot of believers. When we come into Christ. When we're born again. When we're filled with his spirit. We're not an old man anymore, but in our mind, we think that. That's why Paul said our mind has to be transformed. So anyway, I believe I preach the resurrection every day, every time I preach, because I believe the resurrection is Jesus Christ. So I don't just look at one particular event. I look at him. He's my life. He raised me from the dead. I was dead in sin. I was dead in Adam. And now I live in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And if you're a believer, that's where your life's at. It's in Christ. You have eternal life right now if you're a Christian. Not when you physically die. You have it right now because it's him. Well, anyway, he says, I'm the true vine. Just like he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Just like he said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. I'm not the vine that was speaking of the truth. I am the truth. So the vine that spoke of the truth was Old Covenant Israel, which was a type and shadow of Christ, who is the planting of the Lord. And why I say that, Israel was planted in the land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And I want us to look at this for a moment. In in the book of Exodus, God spoke of Israel. And he says in Exodus 15, he says, You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands have established. So God planted Israel in the mountain of his inheritance in Canaan. Now, Isaiah 5, speaking of that, he, Isaiah says, Now I will sing to my well-beloved, 5-1, a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard and a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it. And he also made a wine press there and he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. And now O inhabitants of Jerusalem, men of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard, what more could be done to my vineyard? And then down at the end of this, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. So God planted them to bring forth fruit. Now, Jesus says to the Israelites at the table with him, you can no longer bring forth fruit unless you abide in me. In other words, being an Israelite or a Jew according to the flesh will not get it done. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that that is not circumcision, which is according to the flesh. Neither is he a Jew, which is according to the flesh, But that is circumcision according to the spirit, circumcision of the heart. And and the true Jew is that of the spirit. So being of the children of God is no longer pertaining to the flesh. This was speaking of the reality that we now have in Christ. Christ is the vine of the Lord that brings forth fruit. It's not going to bring, he's not going to bring forth sour grapes, he's going to bring forth fruit. And the glory of this is that he's going to bring this fruit forth in you and I. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Because we are the branches, he said. So his fruit, his nature, his life is going to come out of us to the earth. That's what's going on. That's what the church is, is the body and expression of him. Glory to God. Well, looking at At the natural Israel, what made Canaan so special? If you ever just ask in your heart, why was Canaan so special? And In Genesis 12, Jehovah said unto Abram, or the Lord said unto Abram, according to your translation, but but Genesis 12 in the American Standard Version says, Now Jehovah said to Abram, Get out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee. And this right here is the answer the land that God would show. And of course, naturally, that was the land of Canaan. And if you read this, God tells him he's going to give him this land. But down in verse seven, it says, And Jehovah appeared unto Abram. <coughs> and said unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto Jehovah who appeared unto him. And he removed thence into the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west. And there he built an altar unto Jehovah and called upon the name of Jehovah. So Canaan was where the Lord appeared to Abram. Now, same thing in Exodus 15. I will plant them in the mountain of, his, of your inheritance place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling. So he plants them in a land for his dwelling. That's what Canaan is representing is the dwelling place of the Most High God. Exodus 6-6 says, Wherefore say I unto the children of Israel, I am Jehovah, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a outstretched arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you for a God, and you shall know that I am Jehovah your God who bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into a land, which I swear to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage or an inheritance. I am Jehovah. Now, what place Eve was physically bringing them into the land of Canaan and gave them physically that land, but what made that land so great was God was in the land. When you take God out of the land, I know some people get upset with me what I'm going to say. It's just another place in the earth. Amen? Study this real close. Not only does God appear to Abram in Canaan, he appears to Isaac in Canaan. And then he appears to Jacob in Canaan, and there's where we have what we call Jacob's ladder. Jacob comes to a place in Canaan and and lays down to go to sleep, lays his head up on a rock. And he has a dream, and he sees the angel of God ascending and descending upon a ladder. And Jehovah says to him, the lamb whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Above the ladder is Jehovah, and he says that to him. I'm the God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac, the lamb whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in thee... And in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is in Genesis 28. I'm at verse 14. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee whithersoever thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. And Jacob waked, awakened out of his sleep. He said, Surely Jehovah is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and he said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. And so he calls this place Bethel, the house of God. So Canaan isn't just a place in the Middle East to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the place the Lord appeared. It's the place the Lord appeared. And God is saying, even when he comes to Moses, I'm going to take you to myself. You're going to be my people. And I'm going to be your God. This is what Canaan represents. Honey. Is a place of union and relationship with the living God. And it was a natural place in the earth. He gave the Israelites this natural place in the earth that he would be their God and they would be his people. And that served its purpose till Christ come. Because when Christ comes, he says, I'm the true seed. I'm the true vine. I'm the vine. I'm the vine. I'm the vine. What you thought was the vine was speaking of me. I'm the true vine. I'm the real vine, I'm the reality. Hallelujah. You must be planted in me. So when you read the scriptures about God is going to plant them. He's going to bring them back and put them in his in this land. I know I know God's dear people look at that and say, "Well, God's going to bring the natural Israelite back there to the natural land, well, I believe what he's really saying is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, which says, I'm the true vine. I'm where the planting of the Lord is. I'm where you have to dwell to be in relationship with the Most High God. You can't do that by being a natural Jew or being a natural Gentile. Paul makes that clear. In Christ is neither male, female, Greek, or Jew. Now, in, I want to find a scripture here in Ezekiel. says, for I will take you from the heathen and gather you. This is Ezekiel 36.24. I'm running ahead of myself. Ezekiel 36.24. He says, for I will take you from the heathen. And gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water up on you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you a new heart also I will give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And now notice this, and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. I believe that statement fulfills the land. Not so much the soul in the Middle East, but the place where God will be their God and they will be his people. Now, when he, when he says, I'm going to bring you in your land, then I will sprinkle clean water upon you. Do you reckon he's talking about a natural water? Or any water greater than being washed by the water of the word? And you'll be clean from all your filthiness? Do you think there's anything that can clean me from my filthiness but the blood of Jesus Christ? Out of his side come blood and water. So the only thing that cleanses me is that of Christ. Could there be anything else that would cleanse me from all my filthiness, all my idols that he could cleanse me from? A new heart will I also give you? What what does Paul say? We're a new creature created of God in Christ Jesus and that we have the mind of Christ. He's given us a new heart. He's given us a new spirit. He dwells in us. How could this be talking about anywhere else but being in Christ, being in the planting of the Lord? How could it? And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. I will be, you shall be my people and I will be your God. At that day, Jesus says, you'll know in John 14, I I quote this verse of scripture all the time. You'll know I am in the Father. You are in me, and I'm in you. There's where that's fulfilled, that we're a people to him, and he's a God to us. That's in Christ Jesus. And that's true, like I said, whether you were born a Gentile or whether you were born a Jew. Doesn't matter. Because in Christ, it really doesn't count. It's that of spirit. See, that's that is so profound to me in old Israel how perfect the testimony of Jesus Christ it is. And and I believe I shared this last week, but I'm going to share it again. God brought Isaac forth through Abraham and Sarah. They couldn't have children. So God began to deal with Abram. And he told Abram, unto thy seed will I give this land. And so Abram decided, you know, he didn't see this happen. I think it, I think that even represents us as believers. And he first said that, that this one child that was with them as they came out of the land of, I believe, Ur, he said, this child must be who God's speaking about. And of course, God come and told him, "No, this isn't the child, Abraham. You're going to have a son." So that didn't happen, and uh, immediately that is. And so Sarah and Abraham come together and and I guess talk. And Sarah says, "Well, I've got a servant. Once you have a child with her, I can't have children." I I don't have the ability. And so Abraham had Ishmael. And Ishmael, I believe, represents our own works. He tried to produce what God said. Just like the first one one he brought before the Lord, I believe he tried to, you know, out of his own mind, say this is what God meant. And I think we do that even as believers. We read the word of God. We read the Bible and we say, well, this is what God meant. And I'll tell you this, if the spirit of God does not show you or me, I probably don't know what he means. But when he shows me, I know. So so they have Ishmael. And Abram is like, hey, let Ishmael be the seed, God. I mean, it's his own son. And God says, no. And why you had to say no is not that he hated Ishmael. But it had to be a perfect testimony because it was speaking of a perfect one. At the set time, I will come. And Sarah will have a son. And so at the set time, God came and Sarah had a son called Isaac. And Isaac was the promised seed of God. And this is the heir. This is the son. This is the one, Abram, I spoke of because I've brought him forth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And it's the same way with Christ. Christ didn't come forth by man. Now, Abraham and Sarah physically had Isaac. I'm not saying Isaac's a son of spirit, but I'm saying he's a perfect testimony. And out of him came Jacob. And of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. And eventually that whole people was called Israel, called the name of Israel. They took on his name. Speaking of his nature, and, and Israel means like a, a prince with God, one with God, the expression of God. And that's what the nation of Israel was to be, is God's expression in the earth. They shall be my people. And I will be their God. That was that was their calling. That's why the law was in their midst. That's why the word of God was among them. That's why they grew up with the word of God as a child to be God's expression. Now, all this is in type and shadow, but it's a perfect type and shadow, or, or near perfect, I should say. It's not perfect till Christ comes. But in Galatians 3, Paul says that Christ... Galatians 3, verse 16 is the seed of promise. So if I go and I look at all the promises, the seed that, that now to Abraham and his seed, let me just read it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, Not into seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. I believe you could say, and to thy seed, who is Christ, because he's a who. So Abraham's seed that God was making the promises to, unto thy seed will I give this land that I will be a God to them and they shall be my children. It's fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it's fulfilled. It's fulfilled in him. And Galatians 3.29 says, well, let's start 27. Here, I'm I'm going to go back again. Uh, Verse 24 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we would be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under schoolmaster, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We're in divine. There is that." There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, see, it doesn't matter what you are according to the flesh. It's being in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, if you belong to him, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Then the seed of Abraham that was to inherit the land of God is fulfilled in Christ. And how we inherit this, the land of God is we abide in the vine that God planted because God planted the choices vine and the choicest vine he planted in the new covenant. is not a natural people, but it's Christ Jesus, the Lord, he was planted. He come in the form of man and died, was buried. The, Corn of wheat fell in the ground and died to bring forth an increase of himself who was the divine expression of the Lord. Who is the divine. I shouldn't say was. He is God's divine expression. And so God's divine expression is revealed in a people. Amen. That's you and I. To express, to give expression to the living God. Now, that's the planting of the Lord. That's the choice is mine. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Honey, he is a God to us, and we are a people to him. Hear that. That doesn't just mean that we believe in God. That means we're his his very own. In the book of Peter, it tells you this. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're the people of God. You're the people of God's planting, if you've been planted in Christ. If you've been planted in Christ. And it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek. And Jew and Greek sums up all mankind on the face of the earth, red, yellow, black, and white. Doesn't matter. Because in Christ, what matters is a new creation, a new creature. And Paul says, anyone that walks by this rule, blessed is the Israel God. This is in Galatians 6, and I'm paraphrasing it. So anyone that walks according to the new creature, peace, then peace upon the Israel God. And I see people with bumper stickers, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I want to tell them, the peace of Jerusalem already came. And his name's Jesus. And he's my peace. And he can be yours too because we've come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, Paul writes. Or the writer Hebrews, whether it was Paul or one of the other apostles. We've come there to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Now that Jerusalem is not a piece of dirt in the Middle East. This is the relationship or the new covenant we have in Christ. We've come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable host of angels, the writer says. To God, the judge of all. See, we're the people of God. We who were without Christ, without hope, are now made nigh through the blood of Christ. And we both have access, Paul writes, in Ephesians 2, by one spirit, because he tore down the middle wall partition. The Jew and Greek, he took them both to the cross and crucified them both. And he brought forth one new man. And I believe with all my heart, this is the Israel of God. This is where the mercy of God's at. It's in this new man that's in Christ Jesus, the Lord, that if we've received him, that we're part of. So the peace of God dwells in us. The peace of Jerusalem already came, and it was Christ the Lord. And we need to minister this to those that are Jews in the flesh, to those that are Gentiles in the flesh, that, honey, it's not according to the flesh. That was only a type and a shadow for the time then present. But but now we've come to the greater time. We've come to the Lord himself, that he would be a God to us. He would make unto us what he is. And he does that in the revelation in the person of Jesus Christ. What he is, is made known in our hearts as the Holy Spirit of God reveals Christ in us that we can be a people unto him and express him. Herein is my Father glorified or rendered gloriously that you bear fruit. here. By abiding in the vine, you have my joy, Jesus says. I just hear that running through my heart. Song we sing out of the scripture. and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Therefore, let the redeemed of the Lord come to Zion with singing. My Lord, how I... Want God's people to see they have come to Zion. And they came there in Christ Jesus. They came to the house that God established. Like he said in Isaiah 2. In Christ Jesus the Lord. And we come there singing the song of the redeemed. Oh that God is our savior. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And we're his people. And we come We're singing. See, see, go back. I've shared this a number of times and read John 4 closely when Jesus deals with the woman of Samaria. And I'm going to stop right here. Read this real close. The woman says to Jesus, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And if you go study the scripture, Samaria was the place of the northern kingdom of the Israelites. I know it was also of, of, of Gentiles as well. And the Samaritan woman could have been both. I, I, I can't say for a fact, but it was the place of the Israelites when the kingdom split that I, I believe that the very capital of Israel became Samaria. And then Jerusalem was the place of Judah, Judah and Benjamin, and I believe the priests. And maybe some of the other nations were there in Jerusalem, but they split into two kingdoms. And so she tells Jesus, she says, hey, we worship here in this mountain. You Jews worship over there in Jerusalem. But Jesus says, but now is the time. Now is the time. And he did say that that the true God was from Jerusalem. Why? Because he was coming from there. He was the line of the tribe of Judah. But now is the time when neither in Samaria nor in Jerusalem, because this Mount Zion is heavenly, is spiritual. When the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And you know who the truth is, is Christ. God is a spirit and seek of those to worship him in spirit and truth. Honey, if I knew the glory of God that I was going to experience in my heart and mind. If I known that. Years ago when I started off. I don't know if I would have really. Believed it. If somebody comes in. You're going to just experience the glory of God. In. in this great great measure. But that's really what I, I. What I do. I experience the glory of God. He's making himself known to me. And my heart in sharing these lessons is for you to turn and see him, for everyone listening to this. And this same God that's make it made himself real to me in a measure of himself anyway, would do the same for you. That's what I want. I want a people to have this great fellowship of Christ. Not a fellowship of doctrines. Not a fellowship of man's ideas denomination but of Christ and I love that fellowship I love it more than anything I just love the presence of the almighty God and and understanding his word and what a reward of God is in that when you see that in the person of Jesus Christ well he's the planting of the Lord he's the true vine and we're planted in him So we don't have to look for a natural lamb for the planting of the Lord. He's the true vine. Well, Father, we just pray that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we would fully know him and that we would express him. Lord, we just ask that every heart and every mind just see you clearly. In Jesus' glorious name, we pray, and we just submit this up to you, Father. Amen. God bless you. You all have a great day today, and may the Lord just fully, fully fill your soul. Amen.